glad that God is there with us through every bit of it. And he's promised never to leave us. He's promised not to forsake us, and he's not going to. It's like I mentioned this morning, uh, it, it, uh, the scripture there in Psalm 92 speaks of... Uh, uh, speaks of being old in age and and testifying to the goodness of God and and uh, I love it. You can look at some people's lives and you can just look back and their their very life is nothing but a testimony to the goodness of God and how He has uh, kept every promise that He's ever made and He's never gonna He's never gonna break one of those promises. He's never gonna go back. He's never gonna uh, He's not gonna change His mind about what He's already said. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And he's there with us. He's going to go through those valleys. And, and uh, sometimes uh, what we need to do is the is, uh, best thing to do to get your mind off of those valleys and mind off of the things around us is just to praise Him and uh, start remembering His goodness and His mercy and how good He's been to you. And I thank God for that. Uh, y'all take your... Bibles tonight and find the book of 1 John, and uh, we're going to chapter number 2 tonight in 1 John, and uh, we're going to see what the Lord's got for us right here tonight, and uh, 1 John chapter number 2, and uh, when you find your place, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God tonight, 1 John chapter number 2, and... Um, we uh, were working our way down through here and all these verses and, and uh, we've got here to verse number 18 and Lord willing, we're going to go down through this um, th from verse 18 down through the end of the chapter tonight. Look in, uh, uh, look right here. We'll read starting in verse 18. The Bible says, little children, and uh, this is uh, speaking to Christians again, uh, all believers. And, and it says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that, this, that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they, may, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, verse 20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie, of, or no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also." Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even, uh, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one doth, uh, that doeth righteousness is born of him. And thank you for standing. You can be seated tonight. So we're going to look down through, the, uh, through this chapter, but... Um, 
Last Sunday morning, I actually preached because I was, I was going last Sunday night, and so last Sunday morning, I actually preached on the previous few verses where John sought to inform us of specific pitfalls that are common to all, uh, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and we find that every sin, doesn't matter what it is, all sin ultimately falls into one of these three categories. It's one or the other. It's all either the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And uh, God tells his children, do not love the world. And the world being the world system there. Uh, we know that God loved the world as in uh, the world, the, as in the people of the world. He tells us to evangelize. He tells us to share the gospel with every creature. And uh, so, uh, uh, so we know that this is talking about the world system. And uh, I spoke about that last Sunday morning and how, uh, you know, Christians are to be loving. Uh, Christians are to be characterized by love. But honey, there's one big thing in the Bible that God tells us you better not love and that is this world and so we looked at that and then our text this evening continues to deal with particular difficulties common to all believers in every generation john reveals the presence and the dangers associated with the spirit of antichrist now, there were, there were only a few decades removed from the ascension of Christ. You think about this, and, and uh, the spirit of Antichrist was already prevalent among them, so much so that uh, John here is writing this letter. Of course, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he's moved by God. But, uh, um, but there was an issue of Antichrist back then. And so now here we are tonight, some 2,000 years removed, and the spirit of opposition to Christ and His church grows even stronger. Now we're living in a day when people have departed from the Lord's people and denied the Lord's person. When people will not believe the truth, then they will believe a lie. As a matter of fact, G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, when people abandon the truth... They don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. And my friend, we know that's the truth. Because this world is believing in literally anything and everything today. Uh, you know, there is no limit to the craziness that we are seeing. I mean, I never would imagine that you'd see schools putting litter boxes in classrooms because they have children that believe that they are cats. I mean, I can't even believe that I would have to say that. I couldn't make that up. It's too dumb. It's too ridiculous. But that's what happens when you tear down all of the barriers of what truth is. Everything is open to interpretation. We're seeing the fruit of that in our day. I like, uh, I, I kind of, I mean, not to be hateful about it, but I like what one fellow said. He said, uh, he said, if his, <laughs> he said, I can fix this real easy. He said, if my daughter walked in today and said that she believed she was a cat and she uh, wanted me to respect her as a cat, then guess what? She ain't eating at the table no more. And she ain't eating my scraps. And I ain't cooking her steak or hamburger. She ain't eat cat food. 
I think it's absolutely preposterous. I got to get off this soapbox. And that's how deceptive the devil has our society. It's craziness. Now, if you've been in church long at all, you've known people that have departed from the flock and have denied the Father. Now, uh, along with these verses here, uh, we've got 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, that tells us that, uh, says this, know also that in last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And y'all perilous times are here. Uh, days are numbered and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. We're living in the last day. We're living in perilous times. Let me give you some reasons we need to be ready tonight. One reason is intercession. We need to be praying for this world. We need to get our heads out of the sand and get our knees on the floor and pray for this nation we're in. We do. Think about this, not only intercession, but soul winning. If you're living for this world only, all you are doing is rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It's going down. The Bible tells us not to live for this world. The Bible tells us love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. We need to be getting people to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Why? Because this ship is sinking. And think about this. Think about family. Living in the last days is dangerous. And we as parents and grandparents need to be sharing and showing values and Bible truths into the hearts and minds of our children. If you don't, the world will. I guarantee you everything that they indoctrinate your children with is going to be completely anti-Christ. We need to be awake. We need to realize that it's the last days. And by the way, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm looking for Jesus tonight. We need to be, uh, we, you know, I, we need to be awake tonight. We need to be looking. And, you know, there's a theme all throughout the New Testament that shows that we are looking for Him. I'm not looking for anything else. As a matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 tells us that. Philippians 3.20, 1 Corinthians 1.7, Hebrews 9.28, just to name a few. They teach that we are to be looking for Jesus. So tonight on, on this subject of living in the last days, or uh, yeah, living in the last days, I want to show you three key words in these verses here in 1 John 2 that I want to point out. And the first key word I want to point out is Antichrist. Look in verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that, were, that they were not all of us. 
There's three things in these two verses I want to show you. Number one, we see this timetable right here. We've already talked about this a little in the introduction, but notice John says it is the last time. Now, the Greek word translated time here actually means hour or specific time. And uh, my friend, I'm just telling you tonight, if it was the last hour 2,000 years ago, could it be that we are in the last minutes of the last hour? Or hey, could it even be that we are in the last seconds of the last minute of the last hour? Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back and John warns the church about the time that we are living in. You realize that the last time actually encompasses everything from the ascension of Jesus Christ till today? They were looking for Jesus in Paul's day. They were looking for Jesus in John's day. And if they were looking for Him and it was the last time then, honey, what in the world is it now? We need to take this seriously. We see the timetable here, but then we also see the tyrant. John says, ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrist. Hey, the Antichrist is indeed coming. That word Antichrist is made up of two Greek words. Anti has a dual meaning. It can mean against Christ or instead of Christ. In the last days, there's going to appear a figure that will exalt himself in the world and have power and prestige from Satan and will be against everything that is godly. By the way, I can't get into all of this tonight, but I think it could be a woman. Don't fall out on me there. I'm telling you, there is a rise of a divine feminine in our day. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Antichrist is a woman. And you know what? I really don't care at the end of the day. I ain't going to be here. I hear if it's a woman or a man or it may be an it. Who knows? All I know is there is one individual person that will be known as the Antichrist. And they will rule. And they're going to be put into power. But here, here's the other thing. That there's the, the Antichrist, but John also tells us that many forerunners to the Antichrist have come and they're still on the scene. Because there is a spirit of Antichrist. And y'all remember I was telling you this morning in Sunday school, you that were here, how uh, we were talking about abortion and, and how I said the spirit of Moloch is alive and well in our day. And uh, the, Moloch was a false idol in, in Israel's day and in and, and the Bible day in Old Testament where uh, they would literally sacrifice their children to him. I'm not going to get into all the details, but the spirit of that God is still around today. It's called abortion. And just as uh, the Antichrist is going to be coming and setting up on the scene for the tribulation, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. And because the spirit of Antichrist is in this world, we can understand that it is the last hour. It is the last day or the last time, the Bible says. 
The spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well in our world today. Let me tell you something. The spirit of the Antichrist promotes and supports abortion, gay rights, trans rights, pornography, murder, rape, prostitution, lying, stealing, anger, abandonment, abuse, and everything else that is uh, opposite of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Why do we have all these things going on? Why is our society doing what it's doing? Why are certain things being, uh, uh, why are they being uh, uh, celebrated and yet uh, good is, is downplayed and looked bad upon? It's because of the spirit of Antichrist. And so we see here, we, we see the timetable, we see the tyrant, but then I want you to notice also we see the tragedy in these verses. John says they went out from us, but they were not of us. And this is a scary thing right here. This is a sobering thought because these people appeared to be for Christ. They appeared to know Christ. They were church members and disciples and teachers even. The true Christians don't leave the church though. True Christians don't leave Christ. True Christians don't leave Christian fellowship. They don't go away. They stay in. Why did they leave? He said, because they were not of us. These are people in our churches. These are preachers. These are pastors. These are missionaries. These are our Sunday school teachers like I've already mentioned. And, and John is talking about those who have turned away from the church and departed from the fellowship. And we hear this all the time about people deconstructing their faith and walking away from faith and they're no longer Christian. If you're no longer Christian, you never was a Christian. If your faith can be deconstructed, you had no faith. If you can walk away from the faith, you had no faith. That's Bible. So it wasn't that these people had never heard the truth, but they, they would not believe the truth and heed the truth. They had known the way of salvation and yet persisted in their unbelief. Now, listen, those who are truly saved, though, will remain with the saints. Jesus says that a tree is known by its fruit. And John says, for this reason, they went out from us so that it could be manifest that they really didn't belong to the family of God in the first place. That's what he says in verse 19. And by the way, this has been going on a long time. It happened to Jesus. You know, in John chapter number 6, verse 66 and on says this, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. There was many that turned away from Christ. And by the way, I was talking to a brother the other day about numbers. About churches and People can't, they just don't seem to want to come to church and, and uh, you, you try to build up a church number wise and it just feels like you're beating the air. People aren't interested. It does my heart good to know that Jesus himself had 12. You ever thought about that? He had 12. Everybody else walked away. 
And I still count that he had 12 because Judas left, but Matthias came in. 12. I don't know what some of these Baptist preachers would do with that. <laughs> oh, I'm being mean now. I got to stop. I, I think Miss Dawn, I said something Miss Dawn Wednesday, I think about it. We was talking about it, and I was talking to a, a, a pastor friend of mine, and even, even the guys around that preach, and they say it ain't about numbers, they make it all about numbers. As you get around them, and that's all they talk about. I'm, I'm really not trying to be ugly. God gives me 20 or gives me 2,000. I'm going to be just as faithful either way. He's called me into the ministry, and he's never called us to be successful. You know how to be successful in God's eyes? Be faithful. People turn away from the truth. People don't like it. I'm not saying you can't build a church. I'm thankful for, there, there's some good, solid, uh, biblical, biblical preaching uh, doctrine, uh, sound doctrine churches that are running several hundred and even several thousands, but they're few and far between, y'all. I always think back, Jesus. Jesus had 12 at the end of it all. Everybody else forsook him. Everybody else walked away. Boy, I'm glad he didn't walk away. So the first key word I want you to understand is antichrist, but the second key word I want you to see is anointing. Look in verse number 20. The Bible says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Look down in verse 27. It says, But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, we've got two special words right there. We've got unction and anointing. And these two words are actually translated from the same Greek word, and they are both used metaphorically of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The word unction in verse 20 and the word anointing in verse 27 uh, is the one Greek word, chrisma. Here's what chrisma means. It means what is rubbed on, as in ointment, as in whitewash. Medically, it denotes a healing ointment. Now, I done said that we, it is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. Unction comes from the Holy Spirit. An anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. And uh, now you know what all this means? You know what it means tonight? Here's what it means. Not only does it mean that... <laughs> I like that medically it denotes a healing ointment. Here's what it means. It means that those who are truly saved and have the Holy Spirit living inside of them have protection. You ever get, I mean, I, I've, I've read into stuff and I've looked into things and I've got to the point where sometimes I'm in the corner of my study going, uh, uh, how do I know I'm not deceived? How do I know that this is it? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It's a good thing to... It's a good thing to realize you're not right about everything. Now, there's some hills I ain't dying on. And there's some I will die on. 
But here's the thing. I, 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 I look at different people. I read after different people. I listen. And, and uh, then you start looking at how deceptive the devil is being in the day in which we live and how the spirit of Antichrist works. And, and sometimes I just sit back and I'm like, Oh, Lord. Lord, how do, how do we know? How do I know that this is the right way to look at this? What if, what if I'm being deceived and just don't know it? I really hope I can be that honest with y'all. feel like I can. Might as well be honest. I don't know any other way to be. And you know what? I got thinking about that one day, and then it hit me right here in 1 John chapter 2. I've got a healing ointment. <laughs> I got protection against that spirit of Antichrist. Why? Because I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. What's the Bible say? God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Why is it that we are not to love the world? Why is it that He tells us that? Because we can't mix the two. Okay, I'm going to go way off in left field now and get all y'all nervous. You, you, ever, you ever had somebody ask you if a Christian can be possessed by a demon? Yeah, there's not much talk about that stuff anymore. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a whole lot more possession by demons going on than what you think. This world's being run over by them. Ephesians chapter 6 will tell you all that. But here's the thing. You ever thought about that? No, I, I, I told a guy one time, I said, no, you can't be possessed if you're truly saved. Devil's got no claim on you anymore. Demon can't do, I mean, you know, I believe that he can mess with us, but he can't possess us. Why? Because you can't have light and dark living in the same heart. You ever thought about that? God is light and in him there is no darkness. If a Christian can actually truly be possessed by a demon, then they weren't a Christian to begin with. And please understand, the devil messes with us, but he ain't got no... <laughs> He's got to ask God for permission. That's what he did with Job. But hey, we have got the Holy Ghost living inside of us. We have an unction. We have an anointing. That's what the Bible's telling us. This ain't just for the preacher man. This ain't just for the pastor this is addressed to little children. It's addressed to all of those born ones in the family of God. In verse 21, the Bible says, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. See, here's the thing. We can detect the truth. We can decipher the truth. We can declare the truth. Why? Because we have the truth living inside of us. We can know all things concerning the Scripture. Uh, we, we, can all, we can know all things concerning the truth because we know that Jesus is truth and Jesus' Spirit is living inside of us. Simon Kistemaker wrote this. He said, The believer anointed with the Holy Spirit is able to discern the truth from error, oppose heresy, and withstand the attacks of Satan. Because of the unction and anointing, you know what we can do? We can continue... We don't leave. We don't go out. 
we continue. That's what verse 24 says. It says, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You see, true children of God don't turn away. They continue. They're like the palm tree this morning. And the cedar. They're not like the grass. And so the third key word I want you to see in this passage is the word abiding. Abiding. The way in which we should live in the last days is summed up in this one word. Abiding. We see a couple different things here, but I want to show you this. We abide in the infallible word of God. Let me read verse 24 again. Notice it with me. And if you got a pen or a highlighter or whatever, I'd circle these words or highlight them or underline them. Look at what the verse says. It says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall, there it is, continue in the Son and in the Father. So we've got something we've heard. We have something that remains. And because of that, we continue. So there's three key words right there. Heard, remain, continue. But I want you to understand. What exactly did we hear? What did you hear? You heard the truth. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What did you hear? We heard truth. You remain. That's the second key word. Well, why do you remain? Because you trust. You think about that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, we heard the truth, and now we trust in what we heard. Which is what? It all goes back to the Word of God. And so if you hear the truth and you trust you remain in there because of your trust, then you continue. Why do you continue? Well, you continue to triumph. Think about this. Philippians 1.6 tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So guess what? You get a hold of the truth and then you remain in that truth. And then you continue to your triumph. So that's the first part of abiding. But then let me give you this. Abiding not only in the infallible word of God, but we abide in the indwelling spirit of God. Look at verse 27 here. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. Hey, those who are born again possess a spiritual resource that the world does not have. All believers are indwelt with the Spirit. We have assurance that the Spirit will guide us along the journey. When the enemy comes to attack us, we will have the Spirit's guidance to counter 
his attack. How do you counter the enemy's attack? You counter it with the Word of God. Remember, the first abiding is in the Word of God. If you live in the Word of God, if you dwell in the Word of God, you're going to know the Word of God. And I've often mentioned it like this, when you know the truth, you can spot a lie. You don't have to know all of the lies, you just need to know the truth. And so here's something else, abiding in the inseparable union with God. Look at the last part of verse 27, it says, But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. See, not only do we enjoy the anointing of the Spirit, we also have the promise of His continual presence. We are surrounded by the Lord through the Spirit as we engage the enemy. We don't have to wonder tonight if we have the resources necessary to overcome the enemy. The Spirit will guide us in the right path while surrounding us with His presence and His power. And don't forget, never forget, Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. I get a little too curious about things sometimes. And I've uh, been talking to one of my friends uh, about, well, it all goes to the spirit of Antichrist. And I'm going to be honest with you without going into all the details because we'd be here all night. Pretty much just about anybody in the music industry right now and just about anybody that's in Hollywood right now, I, I said just about, are all followers of an occultist named Aleister Crowley. And if you don't know anything about him, oh my goodness. He called himself the Antichrist. He called himself the Beast. He wrote several books about the occult. And uh, one of them in particular, and you, you've heard me talk about this, and this is the motto of the world today, and you'll see it on a lot of famous musicians' shirts and, and uh, even in their song lyrics that a lot of people listen to and put in their minds. They, uh, they, they all go back to one thing that Aleister Crowley taught, and that is this. Uh, he said, that uh, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. He wrote a book. He wrote a book uh, that sums all of that up. It's where the satanic church gets most of their teachings. It's where, uh, it's where uh, Anton LaVey got the inspiration to write the satanic Bible and uh, produce that. It all goes back to this one man. We've got people in our government that follow his teachings. We've got people in Hollywood. We have, I'm telling you, it's messed up. And so a buddy of mine, he's always sending me stuff, and I'm sending him stuff, and, and uh, this is my thing. I can't bring it all into the pulpit, uh, but that's kind of my thing outside of here. I'm constantly trying to see how the devil is working in this world through everything from social media to music to Hollywood. And it, it's just, it is amazing when you start looking into the Word of God and start looking into the background of some of these people, how absolutely anti-God everything they do is. And the other day, we were talking about something and, and uh, 
he had sent me a phrase in, he, he, he didn't know what it was. He had got it from somewhere and it was a, uh, he said, do you have any idea what this is? It was translating. So I started looking at it and um, the first part of the phrase was Aramaic. It actually came out of the Bible in the book of Daniel. And uh, the first part was Aramaic, and the remainder of the, the uh, phrase that he sent me was Latin. And uh, I started looking into that, and, uh, and uh, he started asking me some questions, and I said, yeah. I said, as a matter of fact, I've been sitting here reading part of uh, uh, Crowley's Book of the Law. It's three chapters. He said a demon wrote it. And it wouldn't surprise me. As a matter of fact, he said that a demon named Iwas. Uh, I- I- if I'm saying it right, came to him in a dream three nights in a row at midnight, this is Crowley, and I told him what to write. And I thought, well, the Lord did it to the men in the Bible, and uh, so it wouldn't surprise me none because the devil don't do anything original. Y'all realize a lot of the most famous songs in history have been written and the people that wrote them can't tell you how they wrote them. They all say, well, they came to me during the night or people like John Lennon, he'd be, he'd be, uh, he'd be uh, high as a kite and he'd come out with a song and he'd make millions of dollars off of it. He said, I don't know who writes the songs. And then later on in life, he'd admit to dabbling in all sorts of magic and witchcraft and occult. And I'm telling you, this stuff is for real. I mean, it's for real. It's crazy. And uh, my buddy, he come back to me. He's like, man, I wouldn't be reading that. I said, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I said, I got to the end of it. I said, it's pretty messed up. And I said, at the end of it, it pronounces a curse on anybody that studies it. He said, does that worry you? I said, no, it don't bother me a bit. <laughs> He's like, seriously, it don't bother you one bit? I said, nope. I said, I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. Jesus said, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. I said, I ain't scared of that. Really, I ain't. I don't think you ought to mess around with stuff. But at the same time, I mean, I told him, I said, you take it seriously. I knew what I was getting ready to do. I said, I wanted to see if something was right. You know, y'all know you can't always take somebody's word for things. So that's how I got into it. I I was reading some other stuff from a a preacher and a guy that supposedly studied it. And I thought, well, before I start telling somebody else about it, I want to know that it's true. So how do you do that? Well, <laughs> you do a little Googling, and yeah, you can, find, you can find everything on the Internet, including that three-chapter book that Aleister Crowley wrote uh, as dictated by a demon. And so uh, he, I told him, I said, well, I take it seriously. I said, I prayed before I got into it, and I prayed when I got done. I said, but I ain't worried about it because, <laughs> man, I got God living in me. I said, the worst thing that could happen to me on this planet is an express line to glory. And I mean that. I mean that. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a spirit that has taken over this world, and it ain't good. And we ought to know about it. We ought to know these things. We ought to understand these things. We ought to see what's going on around us. We ought not be standing around with our heads in the sand. We need to know how to pray for our country. We need to know how to pray for our families. We need to know how to, how to pray for, for the people around us. And, and I'm thankful tonight for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that can tell me how to pray and protects us while we're here on this earth. Look in verse 28 and 29. 
And I'll close. The Bible says, and now, he's closing the thought here. He says, and now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Hey, listen, y'all, we're living in the last day. We're living in the last seconds of the last hour of the last day. Many people have abandoned the journey. Many people are denying the faith. And you know what? Christ could come at any moment. When he comes, you know what? We're all going to stand before him in judgment. We're all going to stand and give an account of the lives that we've lived. And as long as we abide in Christ, living our lives according to his will, bringing him glory and bringing him honor, then we can have confidence that we will not be ashamed at his appearing. And possessing that confidence ought to be every one of our desire tonight. But it challenges me, though, and I'm going to give you this and close. It challenged me. It challenges me when I think about this. If Christ were to come back right now, would he be pleased with what is revealed in our lives? I know we're not keeping anything from him. He knows all things. But would we feel good about standing before the Lord at this moment with our lives the way they are right this minute? If you abide in him, if you dwell with him, dwell in his word, dwell in fellowship with him, you'll always enjoy that confidence that you're ready to meet God. Let's stand and bow our heads, close our eyes tonight. Miss Dawn, you come play for us softly. Let me ask you, are there